Welcome to All Ears Senior Living Success, where we talk with industry leaders to make sure you find success in your community. My name is Matt Riders, and I'm the co-founder of Eversound, a company dedicated to improving quality of life for older adults by giving them the gift of hearing. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Charles Mann, the founder and CSO of AccuShield. Charles is one of my fellow senior living tech founders and a true OG when it comes to this space. I've gotten a note of Charles on the conference circuit. I think we've won some awards together, but he's one of the good ones and I just love what they're doing. And I wanted to bring him on to share his story with our listeners. So thanks for joining us today, Charles. Thank you, Matt, for having me. So Charles, first question, can you share a little bit of your background and how you got into senior living? Yeah. So I guess the way that I got into senior living really had to do with my family. Um, dating back to around 1988, when my father got this crazy idea that uh, he wanted to help um, provide a place where seniors could age in place, truly age in place. And so um, at that point in time, he, he met uh, an individual out of Milwaukee and um, worked with him and, and his sort of design behind um, these, these sort of ranch-style homes to, to create a place where seniors could go and uh, an Asian place. And so through that, um, his name was Bill Lasky, actually. I was trying to think of his name. Anyway, uh, took that and moved uh, to Atlanta and built a community uh, called the Man House. It's still there today uh, in 1988. And so um, that original design um, was was a design that, that would, again, allow that resident to age in place. Because um, at that point in time, really the only option was skilled nursing. And so through that process, I was about 10 years old. And um, that's where I spent summers and holidays, was, was working in my dad's assisted living community or what they called it back then, which was personal, uh, personal care. And so, uh, that is how I got into the industry. I left and then I came back. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the story. Yeah. I no, I love that. And, you know, I think a lot of the people I talk to, it's a family member kind of first introduced yeah. them to that. And, you know, I know, so you've kind of been on the provider side and seeing that, and now you've, you've gone off on the, the tech side and creating companies. And I, you know, the next question here is what inspired you to start AccuShield? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, a good question. And I, I, I had never thought about getting into technology. I really had not gone to school to, to, or studied anything and, and even close. I was a finance major at Baylor university and, um, you know, I always knew that I wanted to get back into the operational side of senior living. And I, I st still consider myself an operator um, that, that happens to, to, to sort of run a, a tech company. But I think what got me into it was um, when I moved back to Atlanta to work in the family business, a small family business, we had two communities. And my father felt that the, the best way to sort of understand how senior living works is, is to a shadow an executive director. And so I shot an executive director um, and did a lot of the things that executive directors do. And so I can remember it was one afternoon, uh, pretty late, and I was just sitting at the front desk and an enormous number of people um, continued to come in and out and 
They were wearing scrubs, um, but I honestly they were not our they were they were not our our staff members. And I knew that they were either from the home health provider, hospice. Some of them were private caregivers or private sitters. And at that point in time, you know, eleven years ago, really the only thing that that was standing between the residents. Um, you know, in the front door was a, a paper signing book that honestly, no one really used. And so at the end of the day, I had to sit back and get comfortable with the fact that I didn't know who was in the building. I, I didn't know that home health provider. I didn't know what care they were providing. I didn't know um, who they were, uh, how long they would be there. And so I needed to know that. And I felt that, that you know, because we had had signed up to provide care and and oversight for residents in the building that it, it was up to me to figure out a way to to figure out who was coming and going and to create some sort of enforced control around who was coming and going and so the way that we did that was through a tablet and a badge printer right and so that was really the start of it 10 years ago and the idea was to just to create a safer environment for seniors Knowing who's in the building as an operator is so important. And when someone is um, instructed to sign in, that's part of your process, you instantly get a, a safer community. And so whether it's an emergency knowing who's in the building, whether it's identification as to, to who has gone to see a resident and for how long. Um, and so there's a number of issues that stemmed prior to having a digital system where we just didn't know. And what happens when something goes missing from a resident's room, the staff needs blamed, right? That, that if you're an operator, we're very used to that. A wedding ring gets lost or stolen, you're not really sure. Well, the first place that the family wants to look is, is the staff. And so by identification and by signing in, being identified, getting a picture taken, printing a badge, having to put the agency you're with, or if you're a family member, right? All in a very streamlined process, um, that's good for communities. And so. That's the idea. That's how it started, um, was just adding that layer of security um, really to senior living. So through that problem, um, we did a lot of failing. Alan Barnes, who helped me start this, you know, we've got hardware in the mix, which is never easy to monitor and, and to deal with, um, as you know, all too well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's that that's all. the fact that we had um, customers that would were willing to fail with us because they they believed in our mission. And so um, here we are today, 10 years later, almost to the day, and um, you know, continuing to, to work with, with senior living skill and really anything healthcare related, having to do with entry management or visitor management. So yeah, and it, it's so powerful too. I mean, when I, I definitely have used the, your platform when I've gone into communities and like, even when I've looked at the pen and paper, like half of those, you can't even read anyway. I mean, I know I struggled to read my own writing. So yeah, it's all about the, the security. And, you know, you said you've been going after this for, for 10 years now. Um, I'm just curious, how have you seen technology change or be adopted or kind of that mindset, um, since when you first started AccuShield? Yeah, I think. I think our industry is like many industries, you know, change is hard. You know, I think you hear that a lot. I think that's probably the, the, our biggest competitor, um, is change. And I think, um, because there's so many things that happen in senior living and, and that, you know, you're a full-time kitchen, you're a hotel, you're in many ways a rehab, you're 
close to a hospital in some ways, um, you know, never closes. It's, it's a very challenging business from the amount of things that are going on. And, you know, if you're an executive director or business office, man, I mean, you are, you're just constantly putting out buyers, right? And so the thought of having to onboard something, um, is, is, is in many cases just is daunting. And so I think that has a lot to do with why technology is to some degree behind in senior living. Um, well, I guess in healthcare as a whole, but I think more, more or less senior living, it's just the amount of time, right? And so where I've seen technology, the technologies that have really worked well are the ones that, that help save time, right? And that's that, that, and therein lies sort of the solution and, and those that talk to one another, right. And integrate and um, really do a good job of automating processes. And so, you know, technology is, is certainly um, a part of senior living. I think it's going to get a lot more interesting, um, you know, with the, the newly launched AI platforms, which I think can be very helpful in a lot of ways, right? To do manual tasks that are currently being done by directors and administrators. So, um, you know, it's, it's coming, you know, there's a lot of, of, of new companies in the space, which is great because it just makes everybody better in competition. And, um, you know, that, that breeds, um, innovation. So, um, I still think it's a little behind, but uh, we're getting better. And I think as we sort of start to climb out of, of this staffing crisis that I think we're currently in, um, you know, communities and facilities will have more time to look at these things. So it's a slow process, but uh, I, I'm a believer that uh, it's getting better. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, um, from what I've seen, time is of the essence and especially with where some of these communities are now in terms of staffing, right? They're looking for more time in, in various places. And, you know, it's all about kind of adjusting and enhancing, you know, how we're helping some of those frontline heroes, some of the other people working yeah. in these communities. And, you know, as we talk about technology enhancements, uh, I think one of the things that you guys did, which is so cool, and I have to say, I do love the name, but I have to ask, what is the love meter and what inspired that? Well, the love meter is not a matchmaking service. Darn. Over the years, um, people have searched that and somehow gotten to our page and called, and that's not what we are, which I'm still surprised there's not a senior living matchmaking service, but hey, now that I say that, there, there might be one. Uh, I, the love meter was really derived um, from customer feedback. Um, we had a customer, um, and, and really it was Thrive Senior Living out of Atlanta, Georgia, and one of the executive directors one day had, had, had called me and said, Hey, can you tell me the least visited residence? And, and that's sort of what put this sort of ball in motion, um, of, of really outlining that and making it really easy for administrators and, and others, resident care directors to know, um, you know, who those residents were that weren't getting visited. And so we took that and, and really ran with it. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's been really well received, um, you know, within the industry. And, and we have a lot of communities that um, make it part of their Monday morning standup, right? And that is, you know, they take a minute and they go through the list of residents that didn't have the visitor that week. 
um, and they make a concerted effort to do certain things um, to 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 show love, right? Whether it's make them you know their favorite meal or to you know align a CNA to to really spend some time with that person or have the activities director and and have that knowledge of knowing. You know, this person hasn't been seen in a week or two weeks or three weeks or, or really ever. Um, and if you're an operator and you've, you've, you've done and you've been around the move-in process with a family, you recognize that there are scenarios where a family or a guardian will you know, drop a resident off at a community and never come back, right? A lot of these individuals are 80, you know, upper 80s, early 90s. Some of their friends are no longer around. Um, their family might not be around and, you know, they get very, very few visitors other than maybe home health and hospice and private care and those types, right? But those really are social visits. And so we wanted to, to take a product really that is more safety and security focused, but dig into the data and pull out data points that, um, you know, provided, uh, value, right. To, to operators. And that's really, that's really what we've done. Yeah, I mean, and I think if if the pandemic, of course, it did many things. One of the things it definitely highlighted was like social isolation and sort of the the negative consequences of that. So, and I think even just addressing it of like who is not receiving those visitors or that extra love. And you know, I'm curious, what percentage of of residents have you seen that aren't receiving visitors and aren't getting that extra love? Yeah, this was a shocking statistic actually that we just pulled. Um, you know, over sort of all of our portfolio, which, which would include, you know, senior living, assisted living, memory care, independent living, you know, uh, CCRC, um, skilled nursing. And it sort of fluctuates on, on, on depending upon, you know, the, the, the specialty of care, but, but it's around 50% of residents that are in senior living and skilled nursing based on our data, do not get visitors, zero goose eggs. So, right, it's a little bit higher in skilled, a little bit lower in senior, but when you average those together, it comes out a little over 50%. So, you know, that's a scary statistic. It really Yeah, is. absolutely. Um, and, but it's real. And, you know, that's today, right? Mm-hmm. If I were to go back and pull that during the pandemic, I mean, it would have been, it, it would have been really bad. And so uh, I don't even know what, probably in the teens, um, you know, as far as who gets visitors, you know, on a monthly. So, but yeah, right now it's about 50% over about 7,000 buildings that we hold information from. Wow. So one out of two residents is not getting a visitor. This just, you know, it, it blows my mind. It reminds me, I lived about six hours away from my grandmother when she was in a community and when I would call every week and it would just make her day. Cause I know, you know, other family live further away. Some would still try and visit, but you know, it just makes me think about her. Yeah. Um, and you know, you don't have to give us all the secrets here, Charles, but are you guys thinking about or planning any way to show these residents that aren't receiving those visitors some extra love or doing anything today? Yeah. So we, we do, we have, um, we have actually a pen pal program that we're, uh, working with Arbor senior living on, um, which we're actually utilizing our individuals within the office to write letters and to to do things like that. Um, that's sort of our way of giving back. And, you know, we are looking at some potential other ways to address this and more of a turnkey program. But, um, 
you know, it is a, a, a data point that really the community is what we say is, hey, we provide the data and then, you know, you put, you put forth the programming, right, in order to, to, to manage those residents. And so um, that's what we're doing currently, um, you know, in regards to the love meter. You know, generally each Valentine's Day, we do something special. Um, I can remember Todd Petty um, with Aviva. Uh, he really is a proponent of the love meter. And for many, many years, um, every Valentine's Day, he'd find the residents that, that had very few visitors and really do something special uh, for those folks. And so we've got a number of videos uh, through the years of, of Todd and, and his uh, and his group um, doing something special for, for residents. And they would really go out. I mean, they'd, they'd go and spend like $50 on candy and balloons and decorations. And um, I mean, they would, they would really uh, do it big for these residents. So um, yeah, Todd Petty, one of the, one of the uh, operators that sort of helped us build AccuShield. So thankful for that. And, and, you know, he was always a, uh, a big believer in, in what the love meter could provide for community. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he had that vision and yeah, definitely saw that. That's awesome. And now my final question to you, Charles, and arguably my favorite, um, if you were to give senior living providers just three guiding principles as they move through like the next 12 months, what would you say? Um, gosh. So my speaking, I'm speaking as a, a technology provider to community providers, or am I speaking from an operator to operator? You can take it any way you want, whatever you think is just most relevant and most um, helpful. I mean, I would start out with, with nobody has it figured out, right? You know, I think that's the wisdom in, in all of this. And I think I certainly don't. So, you know, my wisdom and guidance, um, you know, is only as good as, is, is, um, is sort of my experiences. Um, but. You know, I think, yeah, I think occupancy is, is a key to, uh, to success in senior living. I think it's, it's moving in the right direction. Um, I still think we're into some degree, a, a, a haze. Um, and I think that people have got, have figured out, um, residents have figured out how to stay at home. Um, but as we know, you know, no one necessarily chooses to, to move to assisted living, right? It's generally. It's generally decided upon by the family of the guardian. And I think, um, you know, I think late this year and early next year, it's, we're going to get a real flood, um, which is going to help a lot of things. Um, and, uh, you know, not just occupancy helping the financial side, but I think, um, you know, through this recession, we're probably going to, you know, recession in many cases isn't always bad for senior living and especially for workers in senior living. So I think we're going to start to get better there too. Um, you know, and then just to say, as far as sort of the last piece of advice, and I don't even feel, um, uh, that I can, uh, you know, put my stake in the ground and say that again, I don't have it figured out, but, um, you know, I think, I think family impressions in first impressions really matter. Right. And so, uh, one of the things that I think is incredibly important is what are those things that you see when you go into a community, right? What are those first things you see? Well, if you see a group of residents sitting around a TV with no real interaction and being really bored, 
um, that's a problem. I think that, that it's vitally important for executive or for activities directors to be, um, to have the tools necessary to keep the attention of those residents and to really drive, uh, an exciting culture. And, and that's not easy to do. And I think spending time there, I think, um, um, they, I think they call it smellology. A sm smell is a big deal, right? Smell is a huge deal. Chocolate chip cookies and popcorn. Um, visitor first impression, right? Are you signing a paper, sign a book? Are you, are you actually signing something with, that has been thought through, right? What's reinvestment of dollars back into the building? Sometimes hard for a, an adult child to, to, to maybe articulate, but I think that's really, really important. So anyway, I think everything about first impressions, I think reviews online is incredibly important. Uh, so, you know, the front of your building, flowers, plants, vitally important. And so, um, you know, that, that first 10, 20, 30, 50, you know, two minutes entering a building, pretty much the mind, the mind of a, an adult child's made up. So anyway, yeah. I guess that's, you know, really concentrate on that. And, and that would, that would be my, um, small bit of advice, um, for that. So Awesome. Well, Charles, thank you so much for your time and all the effort and energy and passion you put into the senior living industry. It's it's people like you that are making this space a, a better place. So, you know, from me to you, thank you. And I appreciate you, my friend. Right back at you. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to know when we post the next episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're interested in how Eversound can help improve the quality of life in your community, Find out more at eversoundhq.com.